Good morning from Bethany Lutheran here in Warren, Oregon. Today we are in the fourth chapter of Mark, beginning at verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him, that is Jesus, with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever prayed for a miracle? Why did you ask for a miracle? So often requested miracles are for the preservation of life. We want someone healed even when modern medicine says it cannot happen. Or we pray for someone to be saved or protected from imminent danger. Perhaps we're pleading for a miraculous change in the weather or for a reason to continue hope against all odds. And yet, when we witness a miracle that we did not request, too often people try to explain away the miraculous nature of the event. Real miracles break the rules in which people take comfort, and so they upset us. In today's gospel text, Jesus tells his disciples to take him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He's been teaching and healing for days and is exhausted. So he lies down in the rear of the boat and promptly falls asleep. Soon a furious squall descends upon the sea. The wind is wicked. The waves are taller than the sides of the boat and soon fill it with water. Even these seasoned men of the sea were fearful for their very lives. Why isn't Jesus doing something about the situation? He has special powers. Maybe, maybe he can give them superhuman strength to furiously bail the water out of the boat faster than it's dumping in. Maybe, they thought, Jesus could give them the strength to swim to shore. But he's sleeping. The men wake him up and say, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? We're frantic here and you're sleeping. Jesus wakes up, rebukes the wind, and says to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the storm dies. The air and the sea are completely calm. And these fishermen are terrified. They wanted a miracle. They believed Jesus could produce a miracle, but not this miracle. 
because nobody but God Almighty can alter the laws of nature. Only God can control the very elements. And they ask each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. For the first time, the disciples realize they are in the presence of Yahweh. Everything has changed. The miracle will change them forever. And that frightens them. People generally do not like much change. Some change is okay, but not a lot of change. And I don't want the change to be me. One author wrote, people fear miracles because they fear being changed. And Jesus is asking the disciples to change. In the boat, he's taking them from the familiar territory of Capernaum to the foreign land on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He's moving them from being fishermen to disciples, and he's preparing them to be missionaries and work miracles themselves. They will be so changed that many of them willingly become martyrs. Anyone here afraid of change? You know, some change is fine. Some change we anticipate or even plan for. We may even be okay for the, the kind of change that's unexpected or possibly life-threatening. But what about the kind of change that happens when we encounter the living God? when we realize life will never be the same again. We can look to Moses, David, Isaiah, Peter, Paul, and Job to see how an encounter with God can be more of a holy terror than a reverential awe. We 21st century American Lutherans are quite comfortable most of us get baptized before we have to make that decision for ourselves. Our confirmation ceremony happens usually when we're young enough that our parents push us into it. We sit in our comfortable pew and sing, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. We like knowing we can call on God anytime, anywhere, until we realize God may call on us anytime, anywhere. Because we know that when God calls on us, the whole game plan changes. Nothing will ever be the same. What will I be expected to do? What will I have to give up? I do not want to be asked to go to the other side because we like our comfort zones. We want to remain in the known even when that which is known has become unbearable. And maybe that's why Jesus did not give the disciples time to think about the trip. It tells us that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Not this is what I have in mind. Not, would you consider trying this? Just, let's go now. 
Jesus knows what is on the other side, and he needs to get us there to fulfill our call, to complete the mission waiting for us to step up. Someone is waiting to be told that God loves them in their brokenness. Someone is waiting to be told they are not alone in their storm, that Jesus died for them, and that Jesus sent you to bring them light in their darkness and despair. But Jesus does not say, go. He says, let us go. He goes with us. And when we go, we will be walking into the storm. But Jesus is in the storm with us, and Jesus will bring the miracle. He already gave us the greatest miracle. That is, that he suffered and died for us when we were lost in sin and disobedience. He chose to go directly into the storm for us. Why would he do otherwise now? His love for us is just as strong now as it was then. His love for those needing our help is just as intense now as that day on the cross. Life as we know it is filled with storms. Oh, there are tornadoes and hurricanes, earthquakes, floods, and blizzards. But there are also firestorms. There are wars, ethnic cleansings, and mass starvation. There are personal storms like cancer, heart attacks, stroke, crumbling marriages, and sudden unemployment. There are the diagnoses of schizophrenia and Alzheimer's and severe birth defects. Life is filled with storms. The miracle we may request may be for the storm to pass. The miracle we receive may be strength enough to pass through the storm. In one of his books, Dr. Ragnes of Luther Seminary had a chapter called Storm Centers. In it, he wrote, you and I are built for storms. We are not built for cozy, safe little harbors. The Lord is with us. With him, we have the kind of craft that can weather any storm. In fact, we should head out for the storms. One of the great perils that faces the church in our day is that we will steer people out of storm centers. We are not to anchor our lives in some sheltered cove and let the storm-tossed world go by. The Lord's call is not like that not to an easier task, but to a greater cause, not to peace, but to battle, not to a cozy harbor, but to the sea of storms. We are not built for safe harbors. We are built for storms. Let us pray. Father, speak and let us listen. You who measured out all creation, even the sea, even me, you speak your peace into this place, into our lives. Help us follow you into the storm. Help us bring your spirit of truth into places where people need your rescue. We pray this as redeemed people of the cross. Amen.